to the asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. It's me. Welcome back into the asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs. Welcome back to the, another episode of the Asylum Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com, where you can hear us five days a week. And uh, our producer, who is Mr. Flieger <laughs> right now, because Alejandro is in competitive interpretive dance right now, so he can't be here. But uh, we are glad that you are uh, joining us. And... Um, we have a guest on tonight. We're going to bring him on right away as Rick Flinger puts on his Stanley Cup champion hat. Uh, we're going to bring in an old friend of, and I mean old, old because he's he's as old as dirt, but he's known us since we first started and uh, actually gave us some nice podcast advice when we got started all those years ago. And uh, the advice he should have given was shut it down, boys. You're wasting <laughs> well, everyone's that's time. probably what he should have did, but he's too nice for that. He is a, uh, I mean, he, he's a, just a institution out there. He's, he took some time off, but he's back. Um, he's, you've probably seen him, uh, your contributor, Fake Pigskin. You see him on Twitter um, at Road Warrior underscore D, Mr. Dave Cherney. Gentlemen, it has been far too long. I recall uh, the last time we had spoken, at least on air, um, I believe it was on your 200th episode where I think uh, the FCC was actually coming after us. So. They'll, never, they'll never find me. They haven't got, got me. And, Rick, that was a nice bio for Dave. It's, it was beautiful, but you left out the most important thing. Yes. Noted Washington Capitals fan, yes. Dave Cherney. So before we get into the fantasy stuff, Dave, defend your boys. Let's hear it. I have to say, I, I, I knew this was coming. <laughs> uh, and I thought all day about a, a nice clip or a good response. I came up with nothing. We, we are cursed. It is done. You guys are the champs. I'm giving you a kudos now on air. Book it. Um, that's, I have nothing, nothing more to say about that. It was just, it is, they're going to be the death of me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the Penguins absolutely, absolutely, you know, deserved everything they got. And I still thank you guys. And, and we'd certainly accept that. And just to let you know that you are not the only one. Um, we also had a, a former guest on our show, a country singer and songwriter, Johnny Reed Foley, where we were kind of in a little Twitter war with him wearing his Nashville hat. And I convinced him that um, we sent him a penguin hat, and he puts that on his Twitter feed. Well, he's got the hat, but unfortunately I haven't seen the picture yet. So, Johnny, if you're listening, we're calling you out, mister. So, Dave, what's been going on? We'll move past this. I know how painful it is. It, it, I, I was hoping. I'm sure I'll be reminded often. I was hoping you had a quip. I actually put on the I table. Didn't. I did think about it all. And it's very unusual for me not to have one some kind of snarky response and at, at some point you just got to say uncle <laughs> i had actually set on the on the console here in the studio dave the 2009 2016 and 2017 stanley cup hat so my plan was when you made your quip i was just going to snap a picture of it and send it your way but <laughs> but that's that's gone so i won't harass you with that so what, what's been going on I, I know you took a little break back in the fantasy world but what are you up to these days Basically, I, well, while I took a, it was more of a social media break that I had taken, but I never stopped playing. And um, I actually gravitated more to the dynasty landscape and kind of cutting out the redraft stuff. It, 
believe it or not, um, if, if you do play the dynasty game, it's a lot easier to maintain than it is over the the, the constant requests, especially in free agencies for for a redraft. So again, um, I've been you know just pretty much maintaining those. I just did a brand new startup league, uh, the Florida Scott Bowl League, and uh, we got we brought in some old experts. And again, it's kind of like a reunion. I'm trying to like bring them back guys together. It's a 2014. Uh, it's extravaganza. So that that's pretty much been about it. And I'm kind of breaking breaking back out on Twitter. So enjoying it. It, it. It's a dirty place to be. That Twitter. What is it with? And maybe it's just my perception. The the dynasty folks. And this is what's kept me uh, kept me at arm's length on. I think I'm in one dynasty league. I'd be honest. I haven't taken it all that seriously. A lot of anger. If you don't share the right opinion <laughs> amongst these dead dynasty <laughs> drafters, my God, it gets personal and it gets ugly fast. And you know, you know me, Dave. And for me to for me to be taken aback, it's some nasty stuff out there. The thing about it is, everyone thinks that they're the best, and, and it's all about digging and finding, you know, that you know, uncovered gem. Uh, because usually rosters are pretty pretty deep, and and you, and of course you get your rookie experts out there, your college guys out there, which I'm not, but you get them out there and they're uncovering. And God forbid you say anything, especially against their school or against their player, uh, you, you're you're asking for it. You're absolutely correct. It just it's almost scary. I almost want to because I'm yeah. I've made it no secret on this show. I just breaking down college film and paying attention to the draft. I don't know why. I should love it <laughs> like so many guys do. It's just not for me, so I dance away from it. So let's let's talk before we get into I know Rick wanted to talk about the wide receiver tandems, and we'll, we'll get into that. Before we do it, for sort of the noobs, we're on the Arena Sports Network now, so I think a lot of newer fantasy football players, you, know, you made your pitch for Dynasty. If you're doing a startup Dynasty versus a startup redraft league, you said you're sort of getting away from – What's the biggest difference? What's the best piece of advice you can give to, to a new listener or to me if I ever decide to get into Dynasty? Where does your mindset have to change making that move from redraft to Dynasty? Uh, I would have to say if there was one answer, of course there's several, but the, the one answer I would say is longevity. Uh, you will see that people are looking for players that are going to last, and especially more so your wide receivers. You'll see your wide receivers uh, take a, a definite bump over running backs because of longevity. Uh, you're going to have this player perhaps 8 to 10 years, whereas a running back, especially, you know, you look at uh, Bell, like your guy, and uh, Zeke is my guy. I mean, how long are these guys, you know, how long are they actually going to be able to stand up with that, you know, having downtime? So that in itself, if I had to have one answer, it is just looking at longevity, whereas, and, and older players, you know, they don't really, you know, older players are like, well, I mean, Look, Rick, you, you and I, we, we'd be outcasts. We'd be, we'd be long gone in this game if we were actually playing. Uh, anything over 25 years old is considered, you know, almost washed off in, in the dynasty world, which is ridiculous. So, But you'll see, like, in a redraft, you'll see players like Fitzgerald going and, you know, the McCoys are going uh, much earlier than you'll ever see them go in a dynasty draft because of how long you're going to be able to keep them. Well, sure. Yeah, you're you're playing for now in a redraft, and <clears throat> yeah, I understand that. You know, I, uh, and even in redraft, though. I mean, how many? And I'm sure you still play a few leagues. How many years have you written off Frank Gore, and he just <laughs> keeps plowing along and is actually, 
you know, has fantasy value, you know, in a, in a redraft. It's just amazing on some of these guys. Um, D'Angelo Williams was another one. Of course, he didn't seem to have the mileage, you know, in Carolina, but when he got on the field in Pittsburgh, I mean, he delivered in spades. I mean, some of these guys can be extremely valuable, even at the advanced old age of 32 as a, as a running back. Yeah, D'Angelo, without I mean, uh, Jonathan Stewart, certainly helped him out, and you know the way they—I mean—they pretty much did a fifty-fifty split with those guys. So yes, he was able to save some mileage on his on his tires. Frank Core—he must have part cockroach in him because nothing's killing that guy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no question about that. But uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, yeah, we are going to explore. Obviously, we we cover more redraft and keeper league stuff than and you do the dynasty, and in it's. Oh, I actually saw a little. In while Dave's on here, it's, it's kind of uh, interesting. I saw a little. I'll be the judge of that fight. On I think not Scott Engel. Yeah, it was Barry. Somebody sent a tweet to him because he had put out something about um, redraft. I can't remember the exact. And somebody wrote back, um, "Redrafts are only for the noobs and the part timers." <laughs> And I'm sitting there thinking, this guy wrote a book during redraft fantasy, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, you know, I don't think anything, you know, it's it's not for noobs. I think this whole fantasy thing just continues to grow, and it doesn't really matter what format you are going with. There is always a ton of people playing, and there's a ton of competition. I like anything, though, being described as for the noobs and the boobs. I think we fit nicely into that category, so I'll, I'll bear that cross. I do want to say the part-timer part of it actually is a bit relevant in the sense the Dynasty is 24-7-365. I mean, you just – I find the off-season to be much more interesting than actually in-season uh, just because you have to get into the rookies. You have to – it's just an ever for the free agency – you're always playing, so I believe that's when he said part-timers. That's what he was referring to because the three draft, you just come in in September and exit, you know, whenever you exit. In Dynasty, it's around the clock and it's a mindset. And for me, it's usually the sixth round of one of my redraft leagues when I tend to check out. At least last year, got into the into the brown liquor a little I'm, bit. I'm too sorry much. that you didn't get to witness our. Uh, we have a league of consequence uh, of guys that have been together and. We had to start late last year, Dave, because it was my son's senior year, high school football, and I had to go to this final game. Well, everybody said, "Okay, we'll wait till you get here, no problem." Well, we didn't—I didn't get here till what around ten. Yeah, it was late. And my cohort over here was so <laughs> slobbering, loud, and staggering. It was hysterical to watch. I think he won five games last yeah, year. In my though. defense, you were late, and I'm an alcoholic, so these, these things are <laughs> going to happen. It's just simple as that. I don't think, yeah, I don't think the audience is really surprised by any of this. No, so. no, I, I think they should know. Normally, we, we have to start these things at 4:30, so Rick can be in bed by 7:30. <laughs> so I don't have time. You know, I don't have time. I can, I only get like nine wins drunk. You know, he didn't come till 10 o'clock, so I got yeah. five wins drunk. That's just the. <laughs> The way it goes. So let's jump into this. What we're going to do, Dave, well, let's just do a roundtable here, looking at a lot of movement with, at the wide receiver position and a lot of sort of crowded cores. We, we, last episode, we, we talked about the crowded running back cores and trying to suss them out and what they mean. It's a whole different meaning at the wide receiver position. Sometimes it could be a benefit. Sometimes there's just not enough balls to go around. Let's just take a look at some of these teams, and, and your insight will, will be infinitely helpful with some of these young guys coming in as well. But, but 
but don't restrict yourself to that. Let's start with, uh, I think the two most interesting ones both come out of, out of Day's NFC East. Now, they're not in Dallas, but coming out of New York and coming out of Philadelphia. Let, let's start with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Alshon Jeffrey moves over there with what Carson Wentz did last year. Jordan Matthews still hanging around. You bring Torrey Smith around. I assumed he was in his 60s. I guess he's still a, of playing age. This went from a team with really no receiver to speak of other than Jordan Matthews, who just wasn't a fit as a number one, to bringing in a, a true stud and a, arguably a past stud. Let's start with you, Dave. What does this mean? I guess we can look at it, what it means for Carson Wentz, what it means. We know what Alshon Jeffrey's going to do if he can stay healthy. I'm most interested in what this means for Jordan Matthews, who is a guy I just can't quit. He's the Ryan Matthews of my ride receivers. I just can't quit Jordan Matthews. Well, that, you had to throw that in there now, didn't you? Uh, without a doubt, I am a huge Matthews fan. I, I don't understand. I follow a lot of Philly local radio, and they're almost uh, Doyle Green Beckham down on this guy, and I don't get it. Um, he had a fantastic working season. Last year he was, you know, mediocre, but the entire receiving course was, was mediocre. And, yes, he has drops. But look at any wide receiver, they're going to have drops. But he is, a solid, he is a solid piece of that, and I believe, I think the, the key to Philadelphia is going to be Carson Wentz himself. I mean, their offensive line is outstanding. And if I believe his targets, and if he's going to line up in the slot, which I believe he's going to this year, I think he's in for a TPR. I, I think he's going to make a lot of people happy. Yeah, I agree. And, and I really like Jordan Matthews. You know, and like you said, everybody's down on him, but. You know, Philadelphia was just kind of a kind of a mess last year. Carson Wentz was a rookie. I mean, I think he's going to be a lot better. He still had 73 catches last year. Touchdowns were down. But you put, throw in Jeffrey in there. Boy, you are talking another extremely legitimate threat there to really take a lot of pressure off Matthews. I think he's – I see his uh, stock rising it, just as far – Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, also, Torrey Smith there. I mean, he's going to take, he's going to right. attract uh, safety, you know, a safety and a cornerback possibly on several plays. So, who's there? And between uh, Matthews and Ertz, I think, are going to be the beneficiaries in this offense. Yeah, yeah, you forget you forget about Ertz. Is Alshon Jeffrey in Philadelphia, assuming he plays more than six snaps, which is always a big assumption with an Alshon Jeffrey, is he a number, true number one guy in Philadelphia? Or are they going to fling the ball around enough to, to feed everybody here? I've never been an Alshon Jeffrey fan, um, to be quite honest with you. I actually called him my biggest bust last year. Uh, I think he's going to be solid there, but as a number one, I, no, I, I'm going to go with the – they're going to spread it around. I think Wentz is going to – you know, he's not the best deep ball thrower. Uh, that's been chronicled, you know, ad nauseum. Right. So, so, and then, so I think that, that Jeffrey and Smith are both going to have their plays, but whether they're going to be consistent performers on your squad, I'm not going to bet on it. I'll take Jordan Matthews um, this year in particular and daily. Yeah, I think I would too, David. This is kind of a contrast moving on to New York. From a team, you know, you worry about a guy that, you know, is he going to fling it? Can he get it downfield? Well, we know Eli Manning is going to fling it. And we got Odell Beckham Jr. alongside Brandon Marshall now who, you know, I mean, that's, that's been my guy for years. I love Brandon Marshall. I think there's plenty to go around. And I, I can see this a Marshall and a Decker, you know, mm-hmm. accelerated with Odell Beckham, obviously. 
no doubt. I, uh, without a doubt. First of all, when uh, whenever Marshall goes to a team for the first year, he's a wide receiver one. I mean, I don't know whether, you know, God assigned him that at birth, but it's usually you, years two and three that you have to worry about. Now, age is catching up with him. Um, but overall, he's one of the most, and I've always loved having him on my squad. He's just solid. And you mentioned Decker. He is, he is like, the, you know, he is the Eric Decker. I mean, he's a touchdown magnet. Um, now, the interesting thing here uh, with the Giants you mentioned is the fact that you have Odell and you have two very, well, shall we say, rather large egos on the team. And then we we're also have speaking about uh, Matthews, but, you know, we're talking about Sterling Shepard here. Uh, another guy, I guess he's going to be managing the slot this year. And everyone just keeps, just tosses him out, you know, just like he's he's nothing anymore. You know, he had eight touchdowns last year. And for a rookie season, I believe he finished right behind Michael Thomas, if I'm not mistaken, fantasy points. But he's not even a blip on the radar this year. It's crazy. Yeah, and I, I have to wonder, I think he's the guy, I, I you're going to have a hard time finding anybody to say that other than the egos, and that, that's an excellent point. Marshall seems to have matured or calmed down or everything he has going on. Clearly, Got better medication. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to avoid it, but since you threw it out there, that's exactly what it is. He's got himself leveled back out a little bit. Clearly, Odell Beckham's nuts, right? He's just a lunatic. He's completely out of control. Look, and now he's when, gonna... he, when he got beat up by the by – the kicking that. I mean, come on. I speak volumes. <laughs> so he's a lunatic. But, but Shepard, so you manage, everybody agrees those two together, if you can manage the egos, are just fine. Sterling Shepard was a legitimate low-end two, high-end three, you know, redraft-wide receiver last year. You wonder what it means for him. You know, Odell Beckham, I use this stat for in another direction on the last show, but he accounted for up 27%, I believe, of the Giants' receptions last year. Marshall's probably going to cut a little bit into that. You just wonder, Shepard is so dynamic, so talented in what he showed. How does he operate out of the slot, and is there enough left over for a guy like Shepard? Does he have any value, any redraft value, probably long-term, because you figure Marshall maybe maybe only has a year or two left. Does he have any short term value heading into twenty seventeen? Yeah, uh, that's actually that's one of the better questions out there. And don't forget they drafted Evan Ingram uh, in the first round, and he is not a blocker, you know. So he's going to be playing. They could be playing uh, possibly two slot positions. I mean, he's just a he's just a big receiver, basically playing tight end. So there's another one that could easily be cutting into. Uh, Sterling Shepard's uh, production. So it's a dicey play, but if by chance things, you know, I don't know, Eli was trusting him in the red zone last year. Again, he had eight touchdowns. So, and sometimes when you find your BFFs, you know, you kind of stick with them. So I think it, let's, let's put it this way in a redraft, you're going to get them very late. So I, I would take a flyer on them. You know, and, and another consideration in, in this whole, you know, wide receiver core mess that we're talking about. Eli Manning could turn into a real value at quarterback in a, in a redraft league this year. I mean, I could see him. We're talking about, well, you know, there's plenty for Beckham. There's plenty for Marshall. There's plenty for Shepard. You know, this, that, and the other. He's going to be throwing the ball a lot. And he's got two guys, or he's got three guys that can really go up and get it. I mean, they're proven commodities. And, and I can see Eli Manning. He's always been one of these kind of guys that – you know, you might pick up as 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 a quarterback too, or pick him up off the waiver wire if your guy's on a buy. Tell you what, he could be rather studly in the right situation this year. 
Well, he's definitely going to uh, going to throw the ball. There's there's no doubt about it. I mean, the Giants led the league last year in uh, in three wide receiver sets. I believe they were in it. Oh, well, they were in it over ninety five percent of the time. They were in three wide receiver sets. Um, so you know what their goal is, and they have Paul Perkins back there, you know, as the running back. Not quite a threat. Um, <laughs> so they're going to be winging the ball around. There's, there's no doubt about it. Now. It did appear to be that Eli did regress a little bit. It was just like he was just off target uh, many times. That offense, you know, McAdoo's offense just did not seem to be cohesive. They just, you know, they they get a couple first downs and then three and out. Um, so it's it's interesting, but without a doubt, if, if Eli Manning is going to chuck the ball, much like a Joe Flacco, you know, who actually led the league and then passed last year, it, just for the volume alone. The odds of you hitting on that in the late rounds is definitely a good value. Yeah, and I think especially in best ball leagues, your MFL 10s, things like that, I, I think Eli's a guy I'm targeting late there. You pick up that big week because he's going to have his weeks where he comes out, he looks constipated and confused, and it, it, we know what happens there. But I think that we're going to be pushing 400 yards a couple of times. Let's stay in the East. I don't know. We probably don't need to talk about Dallas too awful much. But Washington intrigues me. It, it, it does. Crowder, Crowder popped a good bit yes, last indeed. year. Josh Doxson couldn't get on the field, came in. This, this is where maybe having your dynasty mm-hmm. knowledge, maybe a little bit more knowledge of Dotson than I have. You bring Terrell Pryor in. What I noticed with that core, you don't seem to have that real big, sure-handed number one guy, but you got some fast guys, Crowder running around. He, he's a guy who intrigues me. He's a guy I've been targeting. I just don't know where to slot him at this point. Where does Pryor fit? What does that mean for Crowder? And is Doxson the real deal? Was he worth that number one pick last year? Oh, without a doubt. You, now you're speaking to my heart. And I hate the Redskins. Okay, being a Cowboys fan, that's my number <laughs> one nemesis. So, But I have to tell you, I really like what they did this year. I like how they orchestrated Garcon uh, uh, pretty much uh, out and Sam Jackson pretty much out. And they had a plan. And John Stockton, obviously, he had, a, he had an Achilles problem last year. They kept trying to force him back on the field. The kid is skilled. This kid is skilled. I don't know. Again, he's been practicing, and again, once the pads come on, things are a little different. Now, the the thing about Washington is that Terrell Pryor, uh, boy, you know the you know the quarterback time wide receiver had the great breakout year in Cleveland last year. Turned a dollar, went to Washington. I think he's going to be effective, but he's he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of what what the Toy Smith would be. Just I just think he's going to be inconsistent. Um. And as for and Crowder, now the funny thing about Crowder is, I mean, he is a PPR magnet and, and an end zone magnet too. I mean, that guy, I don't know how, how drafts blew it on that guy. And I don't even remember where he was drafted, but I know it wasn't anywhere near where he should have been. The guy is just, he's just attracted to the ball. The, the key is, I think Washington is saying they're going to play uh, Crowder on the outside and Dotson in slot. I'm not sure. Completely convinced that's going to be the way it's going to be because I think vice versa, given their skill set and their and their body makeup, I think it'll be the other way around. But I think both are going to be uh, highly productive. Prior, I'm not as big a fan, mainly because of his consistency. I don't think he's going to be that consistent. It tells me, you know, a lot from what you said and some of the stuff that I've seen, that actually Washington has 
they can throw some wrinkles in some different plays and, and people in different positions too with the skill sets that they have. And I think they could cause some problems for defenses not knowing exactly who's you know in the slot, you know, and that kind of thing. And I think that could uh, cause a few problems with these teams. Oh well, we haven't even mentioned Jordan uh, Jordan Reed. Uh, well, of course, that, that causes problems to everybody. I mean, it's funny because the three teams that we brought up also have very versatile uh, tight ends that could uh, that could put a damper into any one of these guys' values. And of course, Jordan Reed, when he's on the field, is is probably uh, I don't want to say the best, but at least in the top three tight ends that you're going to have and a favorite of Cousins. So again, if he can stay healthy. Uh, Again, that's going to cut into production. But then again, Washington's a throwing team, so he kind of like rolled the dice. But when you're talking about the three wide receivers that are on there, it's it's basically where they're being slotted. I've, I've been finding Pryor going again. He's going a lot earlier. It's going Pryor, and then Crowder, and then Dotson is basically not is, is being going undrafted. He's going to force going after that guy. So do you think value for Dawson this year? Is this a guy, to, to your point, going undrafted or very lazy, worth that late-round flyer mm-hmm. ahead of, you know, Absolutely. I'm trying to think of some of the other this guys who are that. in that position, Will Fuller, you know, some of these 40-catch yeah. guys. Not Will Fuller. I'd actually go Braxton Miller or Will Fuller. But, um, no, I, I think this guy, this guy, is the skill set is off the chart. Um, when he did play last year, I mean, he did, you know, he Cousins targeted him. Uh, he played a game against the Cowboys, and uh, he targeted him three times in the end zone. Now, granted, they were a little over his head, but you could just tell there was, they were working on the chemistry there. And this is the type of guy, I believe, that if you have on the end of your roster, that could, it, it could win the championship for you. I mean, it could be one of those guys that comes out of nowhere and just, you know, just blows up. It's just, I love those gamble players. Yeah, it is good. Good info. So, do we need to need to spend much time on on your boys uh, down there in Dallas? I mean, it, it's Dez, Dez, Zeke seven times, Dez, Dez, Zeke seven times. Any anything I'm missing in that equation? Just uh, just to look at. This is more of a long term thing. But uh, Ryan Switzer, who they picked up in the draft, uh, you know, Cole Beasley kind of really. Uh, he's been with the Cowboys, but believe it or not, he actually led the Cowboys in receiving last year. Right. Yeah. Uh, sounds, that sounds a little weird. Uh, but this is his uh, his contract year, so they hired the, they they brought in this, uh, this rookie uh, Ryan Switzer. So for that actually emulates and, and plays special teams, which uh, usually is not exactly really good at. So just something to keep down the line um, for next year. Keep an eye out for Ryan Switzer. Other than that, yeah, it's it's Dez 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 Dak Dak Dak. Uh, it's about the end of the line for the uh, Terrence Williams experiment. I mean, it seemed like this kid was. Uh, I mean, yeah, real speedster. Seems like he was poised, maybe you know, with that passing attack that he could break out, but he just never seems to really uh, connect. Steady Eddie, uh, they just signed him to a new four-year deal. I was actually surprised. A lot of, a lot of Cowboys fans thought they were going to let him walk, and now he actually came back on a, on a reduced salary. And he's just steady Eddie. He just does, you know, he'll catch. He's going to, you know, grab you seventy balls. Uh, not step out of bounds. Um, he's gonna. He's, <laughs> yeah, but he's if, gonna, you, if you yeah, can he's, get he's, se- he's, he's four or five touchdowns, and he's he's nothing to brag about, and probably no one you want in your fantasy team. But he's a good football, and he's one of the best wide receiver blockers out there. Um, just speaking of which, if you check the block that he made against when Zeke ran that eighty yarder against the Steelers last year on the screen pass, 
I, I, I don't think that game was even on. I don't remember that. That wasn't on TV, I don't think. <laughs> I think it was the highlights. <laughs> now, we don't watch highlights. That, that's terrible. We, <laughs> Dak Prescott, is that the real deal, or are we looking at a sophomore slump here? I, I'm, wow. I'm torn on this kid. Right. Of course, you have to find sophomore slump because what he did last year was unprecedented. Well, that's I, true. I can't recall. He could still have an so all-pro a- year and be down. <laughs> I was going to say, so anything, exactly, he's not going to match what he did last year. I just, you know, I think he's a smart guy, and he's a hard worker. Uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, he, he's diligent. And I, I they, what, what happens, Linehan seems to base, you know, he can construct an offense that that was perfect for Dak. I mean, without a doubt, you know, the short game, I think you're going to see him open up a little more vertically. Um He's not going to have just what is it, four interceptions. I mean that that's that was insane. Uh, that's not going to happen. But again, if you go back to the Cowboys of the '90s, they were just a running team. I mean, Troy Aikman. Like, did you ever watch Troy Aikman on your on your fantasy team? No, I think he, he broke twenty touchdowns like once in his life. So I, I just think they're going to be based. So I think uh, I temper expectations on Dak mainly because of the offensive makeup. Yeah, and let's face it, they've they've got a killer running attack and one of the best lines, if not the best line in football. So I mean, right then, right there, the pressure's off of Prescott. I mean, they're not throwing him in there and say, "Okay, win us games," and he's learning and got you know an all world season under his belt already. I'm not afraid to take this kid. Rick Rick's still a little. Uh, gun shy because he is so young, but uh, I tell you what, I think he's a real deal. Well, he also uh, what he uh, he ran for six six fours, and I don't see that changing much. I mean, he usually runs around the you know one two yard line. So it's not like he's you know bolting off, you know, Ka- uh, Kaepernick style. But no, I, I think um, he's he's a safe play. I, again, I wouldn't overdraft him. I could see the hesitance. Again, it's it's going to be it's going to be a good offense, or it should be a good offense. But then again, it's going to be time. It's going to be run centric, and it's going to be grind the clock. So, which usually doesn't mean for, you know, high fantasy points. So, I, again, I temper expectations on that. All right. Well, let's jump to the Super Bowl champs the New England Patriots. The, the, I think by mm-hmm. far the most fascinating offseason move is Brandon Cooks be, becoming the newest toy for, for Tom Brady to play with. Obviously, still have Julian Edelman in, in town. Mm-hmm. Chris Hogan just put the Steelers over his knee and just whacked him 30 times in, in the AFC Championship game. We talk about it every year. What was it, Malcolm Mitchell last year? There's always somebody going back to Ocho Cinco coming to town. They you, Every now and again, you get this big-name receiver heading to New England, and only Randy Moss has done, and he, he more than exceeded what our expectations were. Brandon Cooks, with his skill set, does what we saw in New Orleans head to New England, or is he just another piece? I don't know. I think – I feel like Cooks is getting overdrafted because of his situation – but, boy, I hate to leave him out on the board. This is one I still, to this point, months into it, I haven't been able to put my finger on yet. Yeah, I have no qualms on this one. I am not. I was not a Brandon Cooks fan, even in New Orleans. I mean, but they're very similar situations because it's tough even, even with the Saints. I hate owning their, their wide receivers either because you just know. I like consistency at least a little bit. And you just never know. He'll blow up, you know, for two, three touchdowns one game and then disappear for the next four. And – he, now, granted, he had a bit of an attitude problem down in New Orleans, so I'm sure Belichick will uh, put that in check, I'm sure. So I'm not so worried about that. But a lot, but again, you know what, what has slayed me most about what I've noticed about ADP this year 
is Julian Edelman all of a sudden is garbage? He is. Yeah. What's he going like in that? Something like a fifth or sixth round now? I mean, it's in PPR leagues. I was like, are you? This guy finished. Uh, again, he started slow, but remember Brady didn't play the first four games last year, and, and of course his numbers suffered then. But the guy that's that's his, that's Brady's BFF. He's not going away. Um, so again, Cooks to me is getting way overdrafted. I'm not going to touch him. Um, and again, you know, here's another thing. Uh, you also have looking at their. I did get on the running back show, but I mean, you're looking at like a guy like James White. I mean, they're throwing out of the backfield all the time too. Just, just a lot of pieces out there, and I'm just not willing to, to send a number one pick to Brandon Cooks uh, just to be frustrated the entire year. I agree 100. percent I mean, talk. right now he's going wide receiver 11. That's insane to me. That's insane. Going ahead of. Who's he going ahead of? DeAndre Hopkins, Doug Baldwin, Keenan Allen, Demarius Thomas, Robinson, Jeffrey Pryor, Landry. I mean, the I'd take almost all of those guys over Brandon Cook. The only guy that gives me I pause agree. on what you said was Keenan but, Allen because he never can stay on the field. But, I mean, you mm-hmm. know, if he wasn't such an injury bugaboo guy, Keenan Allen is, is heads and shoulders over Cooks just because of all everything that Dave said. And, you know, let's face it. If somebody's got a gun to my head in PPR, I'm taking Edelman. Oh, absolutely. You know what? Well, but, you know, he's 11th in the league. Well, that's true. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. And I, yeah, I think he is way over Short-term overdrafted. memory for these guys. It's like, what you know, they just think they see the shiny new toy. They see Tom Brady. A lot of people, well, fortunately, um, a lot of people in, in leagues don't really think too much, which allows us to take their money. Well, that's true. true. Or I get really drunk and everybody takes money. But how the hell in a PPR? These are only PPR ADPs I'm looking at. How the hell is Julian Edelman 25 and Brandon Cooks is 11? I I, there, I can think of no logical explanation. And Cooks and his best even when the Orleans, what they already catch four balls. I mean, right. now normally they're like 60 yards in a touchdown. I mean, when he did catch them, but I mean. If, for PPR, that's, that's insanity. Yes, I have forever tried to avoid, and there's been so many of those guys over the years, most of them played in New Orleans, it seems like, where there's one of two stat lines you're going to get, three catches for a buck 20 and two touchdowns, or three catches for 19 yards and a fumble. And there's nothing in between. That's it. Well, yeah, you, you, gotta, you gotta have a fumble. Now, that would never happen in New England, because if he fumbles any time before Halloween, they're going to ship him right out of town. He'll never see the ball again. So let's talk Without about, I think, the main beneficiary. We'll start hopping around here a little bit. We're, we're uh-huh. running short on time already. The main beneficiary, I think, of, of Cooks heading to New England is Michael Thomas in, in New Orleans. Again, we talk about we've had a hard time identifying a, a solid number one guy, maybe going back to Joe Horn in New Orleans. Michael Thomas, boy, what a rookie year. He just I don't want to say crept up. We heard a lot about him, but I think Tajay mm-hmm. Sharp was getting more shine than he was in the preseason. There was right. a handful of guys. Michael Thomas, are we going to see a repeat? Is it going to get better? Is he maybe more of a downfield threat with Cooks gone? What's the New Orleans uh, receiver core look like for you, especially Michael Thomas? I Again, another I think. I think he's going to be solid. Again, we're talking New Orleans wide receivers. Um so you're going to have your big blow-up games, and you're going to have your duds. Uh, but the guy I'm looking at, uh, for value-wise, uh, in New Orleans, Willie Sneed. If you just mm. go back and look at Drew Brees and Sneed's stats over the last uh, couple of years, you want to, if you want any kind of consistency, again, I mentioned that several times, if you want the consistency out of New Orleans, I think Willie Sneed is the guy. 
I agree. I mean, right now, you know, ADP, Michael Thomas is uh, is a seventh wide receiver. And I'll tell you what, I'm not taking Michael Thomas over T.Y. Hilton, who the one I'm looking at, he's ranked <laughs> over T.Y. Hilton. And Des Bryant, Amari Cooper. I mean, to me, that's crazy. I'll, I can get one of these guys and Willie Sneed. I'm golden. That's, uh, that's my thought process. Again, the New Orleans passing game, is always plus if you've owned any of the receivers you know from week to week it, it's crapsy um but again I've, I've tried to break down exactly if i had you know push comes to shove if i had to take one it would be sneed and i'm not even sure if you, i don't know if you have it in front of you where he's going in the draft in redraft well he wasn't on what i was looking i'll have to roll down willie okay. sneed there he is he is 31 in wide receivers right now i'll take that value any day exactly yeah. no doubt yeah, that puts you what, about fifth pick of the sixth round. Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Let, let's move off of that. Let's jump down other big moves. We we talked about Deshaun Jackson a little bit with Washington, him moving down to Tampa Bay, finally a, a number two wide receiver on the other side of Mike Evans. Worried about what this does to Mike Evans. Uh, I don't want to say his catches, but maybe his attempts. Um, anybody else there? Is Deshaun Jackson the same guy in Tampa Bay as he was in, in Washington and Philadelphia before that? Yes, I think so. Um, he's going to be, again, another consistency here with the players we're talking about because, you know, he's a lot of boomer boss himself. You know, in a lot of ways, I like the, the, the addition there for Mike Evans. Um, obviously, he's going to take some coverage away from him. I would, I would bank on that. So, of course, he, he should see a little less coverage. Then again, Evans, again, he was beasted last year. I mean, they, you know, you know, it was early and off at Mike Evans and, and came through and also had the touchdowns to back it up. I see a little regression with him, but he's definitely a safe player. Deshaun's Deshaun. You know, he's going to give you those, those boomer bust plays, without a doubt. But I think he is good for this offense. And God forbid if Tampa starts off 0-3 because he'll be sitting on the end of the bench pouting. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be my biggest concern on that is if he becomes um, almost a distraction. I, I don't think he will. He is a little bit older and with a Mike Evans. And this team, they're young. I mean, they're really up and coming. And I'll tell you what, he could be what Mike Evans needs, I think. Uh, even yeah. make him more productive, which is kind of hard to say. You know, you always worry, is there enough to go around? But I tell you what, he's going to take a lot more pressure off of Mike Evans than Adam Humphreys or some of these guys ever right. would. Adam exactly. I'm looking at, you know, really, Adam Humphreys is wide receiver three. So right. uh, the targets are going to be there. Jameis is, again, I, I've always been a fan. He tests your patience, patience every now and then, but – you know, I think he is starting to mature, and he's starting to really learn the NFL game. The running game still worries me a little bit. Uh, with the Doug Martin fiasco, God only knows, you know, Doug Martin, after he gets paid, and now he's missing the first three games. And who's going to be in that backfield is a little bit uh, disconcerting. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Deshaun and Mike Evans, again, the, uh, Mike Evans will be drafted higher than I'm going to go for him because I see a little bit of regression. Uh, Deshaun is Deshaun, and you're going to pick him up, you know, Seventh, eighth round, and you're going to roll the dice on a bye week. All right, let's hop to Chicago. I find this a fascinating one, too, 
you, you, you have the immortal Kevin White, who every, all you dynasty guys put him in the Hall of Fame 15 minutes after the draft ended. <laughs> Can't seem to get on the field. Cameron Meredith, just a, I don't want to say a bust out, but for a stretch last season, really, really solid, beautiful, beautiful rookie year. But I wonder, was that more an attrition <laughs> type of thing with Alshon Jeffrey and Kevin White and everybody else being out? You bring in a, you bring in a Kendall Wright. What? what is mm-hmm. Kevin White the guy you all you dynasty guys told me he was going to be if he can get on the field? Was it fool's gold with Cameron Meredith? What do you make of that that mess out there? Mm, let's see. Well, I actually wasn't one of the biggest Kevin White fans, and that was pre-injury. Uh, the guy has just had you know a, a run of bad luck. In fact, what is it? they stole his car just a few months ago. I saw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mercedes or whatever that year. <laughs> this guy just cannot catch a break. I try to stay away from players that have just generally bad luck. Um, definitely have the skill set. You have to wonder, though, last year he didn't, you know, he, for what he was on the field, didn't exactly speak out to me. But then again, it's the Bears. The Bears, you know, struggled all the way, you know, besides Jordan Howard. I mean, Karen Meredith, I, I have to be high on because he overachieved in that offense. Um, so if, if anybody, I kind of right forget, I'm not even going to bother wasting time with this or that, but <laughs> yeah. Cameron Meredith was, was overexceeded. But the problem here is, again, with the Bears, is who's quarterback in the team? You know, the, what did you say right at the end there? You kind of faded out. I'm sorry. Oh, I was, I was just saying, uh, if, if anybody, I'm, I would go with Cameron Meredith because he ex- exceeded expectations. But my biggest problem is who's quarterbacking this team? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, we all know they made the move to get Trubinsky. But, you know, everything is being told, and I agree with it. I mean, I just can't imagine them throwing him into the wolves right at the first one where Mike Glennon's there. Glennon's not afraid to throw it around, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, you know, Jordan Howard, if, if they if they keep continuing to run the ball, this offense was 15th in the league last year. I mean, that's nothing spectacular, but I mean, it's right in the middle of the pack. It's not down mm-hmm. 28, 29. So, I mean, I really think there is some uh, merit to taking uh, a Cameron Meredith, um, who I really like. I mean, um, I'm not, I don't think his thumbs all that serious. We're talking, he may not start training camp with it, but um, I'm sure he'll be ready to go. And um, everything that we talked about, one of our guests a couple weeks ago, uh, really, a Mastro Antonio is a NFL agent, and his he's Meredith's agent, isn't he? Uh, yeah, they, he actually has him, and uh, you know everything just seems to be ready to go with him anyway. So, but I, I'm like you, I, I like Meredith. I'm not afraid to jump on this kid. Kevin White still got the brakes on him. All right, let's jump now to another guy that I keep getting slapped in the face with, and I'm just not seeing it. Let's head to Baltimore and Brashard Perryman. Yeah, I, we won't even talk about Macklin. I think I know everybody feels the same about Jeremy Macklin. Brashard Perryman, really? <laughs> Is this thing going to happen or not? And I think by the fact that every time any middling wide receiver got cut this offseason, he was linked to Baltimore, tells me everything right. I need to know about Perryman. It made sense, though, right? They had nobody. I mean, right. I mean and then uh, Perryman, I mean, that, 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 uh, you talk about another, you know, well-hyped uh, guy coming out of college, but uh, he just never got it. And I'm not uh, boy, I don't know what to say about him. He did show a little bit more last year, 
But then again, I mentioned earlier that Baltimore, I believe, was, uh, besides New Orleans, was the number two passing off. Flacco threw unbelievable amount of time. I mean, you wouldn't have thought that looking at their, their statistics. But if you go back, I mean, the number of passes, Baltimore, I believe, was number two. And none of their wide receivers came in the top 30, okay? So right. I think it, that pretty much sums up what you want to do with this staff. And, and it goes right back to, um, you know, what we've been preaching, and I'm sure you have too. I mean, if you, if, if as of a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl, if you were actually ever going to buy into a permanent Joe Flacco air show, you're sadly mistaken, and it's proven to be fact. And this year, to me, is no different than last year, except – Instead of Steve Smith, you have Jeremy Macklin. You still got Mike Wallace and Brashard Perryman still mm-hmm. running around number three. Yeah, uh, but let me ask you a question though. What do you think about Macklin? I'm, I'm not, that is one player I'm actually conflicted on. I've always liked the guy, but the problem here is that Baltimore uh, has made a. I mean, they've made a living out of that, bringing back uh, old, you know, washed what what were thought washed up wide receivers. I mean, you mentioned Mike Wallace, Smith. <laughs> now we have Jeremy Macklin. But then you look at Andy Reid. Andy Reid knows when to cut players. I mean, you look at his history. Uh, he did you know, to uh, to Donovan McNabb. I mean, trading him to the residence. I mean, it was just like, it's, so I'm like at a conflict. It was like the clash of the two. I don't know. Where do you guys stand on Macklin? Well, you know, I, I wonder, I don't want to completely write him off almost just, just based out of sheer lack of, of anyone else. I mean, Mike Wallace not as well as he did several years ago in Pittsburgh, but he could still get over the top. You know, I'm just I'm done with Perryman. I don't want to hear it anymore. So, but Macklin's just not he's not the tough Steve Smith type over the middle. I, I just I, he never struck me as that guy. What I can't get past is he he's out there in Kansas City, and I know that they don't throw t- they throw the ball to any wide receivers whatsoever. You know, unless it's a two-yard dump off to Tyreek Hill, and he busts one for 80. That's the only chance you get. But Andy Reid, when he was in Philadelphia, they threw the ball to the wide receiver. So I think it was less about Alex Smith and less about the offense and more about they didn't have a wide receiver to throw it to. And for that period of time, Jeremy Macklin was that guy. So I don't think it tran- – they're, they're going to throw the ball more in Baltimore. But we talked – last show we, we had a stat, 27% of their completions went to the running back position last year. Mm-hmm. Now, normally you'd worry about the tight end, but all their tight ends are dead or in prison right now. I don't know. You could play tight end for the Ravens <laughs> as of right now. You could be number two on the depth chart. So you hate to write him off. He's probably in a redraft format, maybe a low-end wide receiver three right now just because where else is Joe Flacco going to throw the ball? And it doesn't matter if they bring Jim Brown back. He's going to insist on throwing the ball 65 times a game no matter what he has in the running game. Yeah, that, there it is. I mean, there's no doubt. Again, I, I, we mentioned this with Eli. There's going to be quantity now. Whether you're going to get any quality, well, we have no idea. But, uh, right. again, okay. if they're throwing the ball a lot, the odds are more in your favor that you may hit. Okay, we're, we're going to play a little game here, Dave, that me and Rick like to do a lot here when, when we have situations like that. Okay, Hide the tick Oh, no, not no, that no. game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a whole different game. We yeah, don't want to play yeah, that we're not doing that now. <laughs> okay, Dave. Um, right now, Macklin or Cobb? Oh God, uh, Cobb. Okay, Mac. I, I'm looking at a bounce. I'm looking at a bounce back. Macklin or Decker? Hmm. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go Macklin here, only because I don't. I think it's gonna take time for Decker to get. And he's so touchdown dependent, and I think it's going to take him time to get adjusted in Tennessee, and they have a lot of targets there, so give me that. 
Okay, Macklin or Cameron Meredith? Hmm. Uh, I guess in, in a standard format, I would go... I'm going to go Cameron Meredith. Okay, see, that's two out of three of, of wide receivers that right now their ADPs are below Macklin. And, you know, so that's, you know, but Macklin's not going bad. He's going uh, fifth of the eighth round, which I, yeah. I think well, okay, is, is pretty fair. I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised. I thought it would be, uh, be higher. Yeah, so, I mean, I think he's going okay, but – but I think we have read off a lot of the guys that that's the company he's in right now in that situation in Baltimore. Yeah. So, well, again, he's a great flyer. Again, you want an, if you want an offense as opposed to the Cowboys offense where, you you know, you the, the quantity of passes isn't going to be there. You know in Baltimore they are going to be there. And if you hit, you can hit big with that one. Uh, the fact that Andy had it all stuff really off here last year. So he seems to be like an every other year player. So you know, taking a flyer on him isn't crazy. And in the eighth round, especially, I thought I, again, I thought he would have been going. Uh, his ADP would have been a little higher. All right, let's hop to another team that I think is long on talent and short on results, and that's the Carolina Panthers. You got Kelvin mm. Benjamin, who Rick oh. just, Rick wants to share an apartment with him. He loves this guy so much, <laughs> so much even even though he's gotten a little pudgy. Rick hasn't uh, hasn't fallen out of love with him. Funches came in a ton of promise. This is a kid that's even even caught my eye coming into the year. Really didn't put numbers together. We don't have to talk about anybody beyond that with Greg Olson. You know, it, it's, it's a Cam Newton question. It's a Kelvin Benjamin question. Any any value there? You know, I see uh, I see uh, Benjamin still still going thirtieth uh, overall wide receiver. So that's a pretty big dip from where he was last year. I still feel like a little high for me. Benjamin Funches, either these guys going to break through this season? I, I'm more of a Benjamin fan. Remember, he was coming off, I believe it was the uh, Donnie Kelly's up. And he had uh, torn uh, torn up his knee the year before. So um, I'm actually I like Benjamin because he seems to be a a, a favorite, uh, an end zone favorite. So and I'm just hoping he bounces back, not literally, because bouncing around the field with that belly in. But, uh, yeah. but, but yeah. I, I I can I can kind of see the Rick love for Kelvin Funches. I'm sorry that I I'm done. That's hard, high garbage to me. The thing I was actually talking to a, a good friend of mine, one of a fake fifteen colleagues, uh, Ron McLeish, last night, and we were discussing trying to break down the evolution, which I find fascinating, of, this, of what this offense is going to do with their with their new toys. Um, obviously the. They're, they're going to start looking to do with Christopher McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel, which are two very similar players. And Cam Newton and the short passing game, have you ever seen that work before? The guy throws a rocket. Right. I mean, he can't not throw – if he throws a 10-yard pass, he almost drills it through the football through the guy's uh, torso. And now we're to believe that Shula is going to construct an offense that's going to be a, a touch pass to Christopher McCaffrey and – and Curtis Samuels. Now, the, obviously, they went very high, one and two in the draft of these guys. So they're going to want to get them in. I'm just not so sure it's going. To, I don't see it. I don't. How is he going to become a touch passer? So, but they're going to try it, and that's going to take some value from Funches. Well, from Funches to that we got anyway. So sorry, but Benjamin uh, down, and Greg Olson is likely going to suffer on this too because they're going to have to try to do this this soft passing game, and I just don't. I don't know. I talk to my Panther guys, and they're like, uh, yeah, that's what they're going to do, and that's what they're going to try to do, and it's like, they're like, uh, fingers crossed. 
I tell you, and it's the the thing with with Carolina is I never liked how they. Of course, it was good for their careers. Obviously, I never liked how they um, fantasy wise split the workload with Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams, but they had a good run game, and, and that certainly opens up the the passing. They're just, you know, their their offense last year they were tenth in rushing, but most of that's Cam Newton, and right. You, you know what I mean? And they were 21st in passing. They've got to establish. They've got to instill a little bit of fear that these backs can hurt them. Everybody was crowing about this wonderful year that Jonathan Stewart had a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, on the show, I forget who it was was on there, talking about what a magnificent year he had. He had under 1,000 yards. I mean, it was a magnificent year because he didn't get hurt after week seven. <laughs> And I mean, it's true, and and they've got to es- true. yeah, no, they, you're right. They've got to establish a run game that you know actually you know instills a little fear in other teams to allow Cam Newton to use the the God given talent that he has to scramble and hit these guys downfield instead of them just stuffing the run and then it's up to him and he gets frustrated and the whole season's done. Yeah, McCaffrey is an, an enigma. My my college guys, they tell me, you know, I I've never heard of a player that was all, they were all over the board with this guy. He can run up the middle. He can't run up the middle. He all he does is catch his passes. You know, he's you know he's he'll never be a three down back. I mean, the jury is is out on this guy. They drafted him in the first round, um, so they're obviously going to play him. I don't think Jonathan Stewart. Again, speaking of another cockroach. <laughs> this guy isn't going away. He, he's he's not going away. I still think he he may have some sneaky late value, uh, very late. But McCaffrey again, this whole offense is 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 basically in a metamorphosis. It's completely changing their whole line of thinking. And drafting Panthers this year, you're gonna you really got to be careful because I'm not, I, I don't think I, I have no idea exactly which way they're going to go. I know they want to go with the sort the sort of passing game and. Keep Sandler uh, healthy and keep him from running as much, which against his value was taking a real beating. I don't notice that. But Cam Newton, and now that we're believing he's not going to run as much. Um, so, where this offense is going, now, now, and will they be successful in the score passing game? I don't think so. Cam is just not that kind of quarterback. He, I don't think he can throw a quick dump off. I mean, successful without, without killing the guy. No, he, he's got all the soft touch of a blacksmith. <laughs> he always has. And <laughs> and it worked for the way they played off played offense the, the the Super Bowl season. Yeah, I just McCaffrey, I don't understand. Hell, I've seen him go and running back eight, nine, ten in, in some mm-hmm. extreme cases. And in the in the right offense, I could see it. You know, imagine he might have 114 catches in New England somewhere like that. Oh, yeah. I, I just yeah. don't you see it. Some kind of diversified offense? Absolutely. I, I just don't see it. Real quick, we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, one mm-hmm. name that keeps popping up, I won't have the Jarvis Landry fit again. I always do. But talking about <laughs> I know the... that guy that wrote that, too, by the way. I'll talk to you all there. <laughs> but talking about the Dolphins, Devontae Parker's a name that everyone, everyone is talking about as a breakout star. I don't know a lot about the kid. Is it legitimate? Is the hype real? Is this the year he takes a big step forward? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was my gut, so I'm glad. Now, now maybe you can put some facts behind my it gut. It is feeling. a headache. The coaches hate him. They really, Gates is not is not a fan of his. Of course, he didn't like a jai either until last year until he started running, breaking off 20 yards. But that, I digress. Um, 
he is not a favorite. He's never been a, a coach favorite. All I don't know whether he's just a head case. I don't know whether he's just a slow learner. He's obviously been a bit injury prone. That hasn't helped his matter any. And Jarvis Landry, you know, you want to talk about somebody now? We can talk about my guy Jarvis Landry, but Jarvis Landry's in a contract year. He's not even talking uh, extension, and he's he's bad mouthing. You know, yeah, you, know, you, you do read the article that Tom Brady's leading in Florida his jersey sales, and he said he's going to say Jarvis Landry's going to take that back, man. <laughs> so, so honestly, to so get back to it, I'm not a big fan. I, I I do like where the Dolphins are going. I do like Gates. I'm a high. I'm higher on Tannehill than most, which is pretty much everybody. Um, and, and Landry's not going anywhere now. Next year, I mean, he's he's going to be in a contract here, and they're not talking money yet. So he may be flying the coop. Well, who knows? Maybe go to Pittsburgh. We'll take him. That's all I need to know. Well, that's it. We are out of time, Dave. Thanks so much for taking the time. It was great to catch back up with you. Why don't you take a second uh, let everybody know where they can find you so they can stalk you and harass you like they do to us. Oh, I absolutely. I, yeah, I, I, please come. Stalk. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm over at <laughs> Uh And actually, believe it or not, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm cohorts with a friend of mine, uh, Dr. John Bush, who, and we actually published a uh, – a, it's actually it's more like an almanac. It's over a thousand pages. Over it, you can catch it up on Amazon. It's called uh, "Winning Your Dynasty and Redraft uh, Football Draft," and uh, we're constantly updating it, and we're just having a lot of fun. Wow! So you are a published author? Is that what you're telling me? Well, kind of. Yeah, I'm. I'm just cohort. I'm. The, you know, he's the big guy. The doctor's the big guy. You know, I'm just kind of like. You know, I'm yeah, but let, let's not be um, modest. Just say, "Damn right I am." And half, damn half, right I am. I'm doing all the dynasty work that he doesn't want to do. There you go. Half, half truths <laughs> are our specialty, so um, we'll, we'll give you full credit for it. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to get out of the show. If you if you want to hold on, we'll we'll get out and uh, we can I catch do. back up after. So thanks everyone for joining us. Another one in the can, Richard. Yes, indeed. And I'll do the old uh, segue here into the exit as you run over to the the production room there. Oh, he did make it. I thought he was going to trip and fall. But um, he made it, and uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us again. And thanks again, Dave, catching up with us. We are Flinger Briggs. This is the Asylum Sports Show. Follow us on Twitter, at Asylum Football, and you can hear us five nights a week on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care. Would you like to ride?